Psalms chapter 34, verse 1. And I really believe it was a miracle what happened with Sister Alice when she pulled out in front of that 18-wheeler and uh, it just ripped the whole front of a car off and that how it all went down and uh, God uh, was working in people's lives as it all was taking place. It was just minutes away. And there was this, it was just amazing how and then Linda was driving by and just all the things that happened at that moment and her windshield not being broken at all. And uh, I really believe it was uh, guardian angels. I really believe in the guardian angels were taking care of. Sister Alice, I really believe that. And uh, I have a good friend named Joe Estrada. Uh, Ronnie knows him pretty well too. Joe uh, was in a real bad car wreck, and he was coming back from work at Kohler, and he had a, well, he was come back from work from Kohler, but some of the guys he was with would come back from work from Kohler, but he had, uh, had a pastor with him, and he said this, this drunk pulled out in front of him, it was about 4.30 in the afternoon, pulled out in front of him, and he said, right before we hit, I saw this wave go by, and I can't explain what that wave was, Keegan, he said, but I saw this wave go by, and then we hit, and then the impact, and everybody, everybody walked away from that one, but he He's, he, he'll tell you to this day that he thinks God was there and protecting him and that, that was an angel or something was there in between there. So I thought, what better time than to preach about angels this morning, you know? I want to preach about angels and I want to show you some things. You can't, I can't show you everything that God has in the Word of God about angels, but I'm going to show you a couple of things about them. And uh, we're going to start here at uh, chapter 34 of Psalms, chapter 34, uh, verse 1, and I'm going to show you some things about angels this morning, the best way I know how, through the Word of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. You know, you've got to really be around the Lord and see Him work in your life, and you'll start understanding what that verse means. You'll want to sing to Him. You'll want to praise Him. You'll want to do it all the time. Verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. If you're humble this morning, humble in the Lord, you'll, you'll be glad to hear when God's worked in somebody's life. You'll be glad to hear when God has worked some kind of great miracle in somebody's life. And I think it's interesting that the Lord refers to our soul as, as a feminine. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. This is David writing this. And he refers to his soul in, as, as a feminine. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That's what church is all about. Church is all about getting together, together as a group and praising and singing praises to the Lord God and exalting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ together. That verse 3, that's a verse I used to propose to my wife. I got down on my knees at, uh, down in San Antonio, and that's the verse I used to propose to my wife. I, I, I quoted that verse right there. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us, let us exalt his name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, together. I wanted her to go with me and say, would you marry me and help me just to glorify Jesus Christ in every way we can? And you know, she was just so crazy and stupid that day, she said yes. She still hadn't gotten over that. I hope she never does. <laughs> Verse 4, I sought the Lord, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen, Amen Sister Alice. I sought the Lord. Are you seeking the Lord? Or are you seeking science? Are you seeking uh, history? Or are you, what are you seeking? What religion are you seeking? Don't seek a religion. 
Don't seek a denomination. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a man that was born among men, and he walked, and he died for your sins, and he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. When I refer to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not referring to somebody who, some man that lived off in history, even though he did live 2,000 years ago. I'm referring to a man that he died, but he came up. I'm referring to a man that's alive today. They can hear everything we're talking about this morning. I sought him, and I sought the Lord, David said, and he heard me. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Thank you, Lord. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. That's what, the, that's, what a, that's what should be on every Christian's face. There should be a countenance about you that says that you have got something that other people don't have. And it don't come from us. That light is the Lord God, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living in us, shining forth out of us. And if you, you'll let the Holy Spirit live in your life, there'll be a light about you. There'll be a countenance about you. It'll light your face. You know, uh, two or three Sundays ago, we had the celebration for Wade being here 10 years. And uh, Sister Alice wasn't feeling that good that morning. And she weren't, Sister. And, you, you were, and, and as soon as you walked in and I came and saw you, I knew you didn't feel good. There was just, your countenance wasn't right, and you didn't have that same smile, you didn't have that same happiness that you have, and I knew you had been going through something. And it, it's amazing that God has to put you through a wreck like that for that, that smile to come back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, when I called you on the phone after you had that horrible wreck and everything, you were giggling and laughing. It's like you'd just come from a party or something like that. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And man, I was out there at the ranch and uh, got on the phone with Sister Alice and we got to talking and, and we said, let's pray right here over the phone. We got to praying. I could feel the Holy Spirit come down through there, man. And he started moving and boy, almost took me to my knees. I couldn't hardly even stand out there. And my, I was just, the Holy Spirit was just coming through there. And I, I thank the Lord that we have him. We have the Lord Jesus Christ that when things are about to happen to you, you can cry out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. There's been times in my life when something bad's about to happen. Or I, oh, Lord, help me. You know, Sister Christy, when she went through her bad wreck and she flipped that, uh, the 18-wheeler and everything, she's like, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. You know, that's all she could cry out. And the Lord brought her through it. If you're going to cry out to anybody, cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard, I, I've never been in the military, but I've heard many men tell me that there are no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> You get out there and people are firing at you, trying to kill you. All of a sudden, these atheists, they disappear. And you hear them crying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know how many times I went in to, to talk to somebody who's laying on their deathbed. And they like, they like to talk about God. <laughs> I could go by their house maybe six months before, before and, they, and they didn't know they were going to die. And they didn't want to hear anything from me. But when they're laying on their deathbed about to die, they want to hear everything I have to say about God. It gets real. When the death angel walks in, it gets real in your life. Oh, I love verse 6. This, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Woo, man, I, if, if there's anybody who's poor in here this morning, it's, it's Keegan Hall. Man, I'm a poor man. I grew up without anything. I grew up without an education. I grew up without a dad. I grew up with, I didn't have anything. I, mean, I was just a poor little kid. I run the streets like a little dog. I think I was telling some of y'all in the back there that, man, if, I'm surprised the Lord when I was a teenager just reached down and just thumped me and killed me right there. I had it coming. 
I, I, deserve, I was just poor and wretched. I was poor in mind. I was poor in spirit. I was poor in the, in the pocketbook. I was poor in knowledge. I was poor in common sense. I was poor in work ethic. I was poor in manners. I was poor in speech. There was nothing rich about me at all. But the Lord heard me. The, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And I praise God for that. And you think of Sister Alice. If Sister Alice isn't rich in this world. <laughs> Amen. She's, she's smiling and happy and she just lost her car. The only car she has. She's not rich in this world. I mean, Sister Alice isn't going to run a race. Sister Alice isn't going to beat. The only reason Sister Alice beats any of us out of here is because we let her beat us out, her out of here. right? <laughs> Amen. Because we show grace. She's not rich in any way, but she has Jesus Christ. That makes her richer than anybody in the world. Man, Jesus Christ is what makes us rich. Man, I said all that to say this in verse 7. We're just getting started. Y'all, brother, brother uh, Raymond, you said you want me to preach this morning. You shouldn't have ever said that, brother. I'm ready to preach this morning. Because I'm just now getting started. Ver look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them, about those that fear him, that fear him and delivereth them. The Lord puts angels of protection and hedges of protection he builds with angels around those that fear the Lord God. Verse 7, let's read it again one more time. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. If you've you, you got any kind of common sense as a Christian, you will feel, fear the Lord. And you fear the Lord because you know he's the one that has the very breath of your life in his hands. And he, just by his very thought, he could kill you right now. He could do anything he wants to to you and you should have a great fear and reverence. And, and you should fear him in the sense of this guy can do, this Lord God can do anything he wants to do to me. But he chooses to love me. <laughs> he could smush me like an ant. But he chooses, he chooses to love you. That, that's that's uncomprehensible. I don't understand that. He knows all my thoughts. He knows my heart. He knows how wicked it am. I am. He knows all the skeletons in my closet. And he still says, I still want to love you. I'm going to go a couple more verses down. Then we're going to talk about some angels. Verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. <laughs> Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Amen. You can talk about something tasting good. You can talk about it. You can talk about it. You can talk about it. And I can talk about Jesus all morning long. But until you come and take a good, tall drink of Jesus Christ, you're never going to understand. Amen. You're never, ever going to understand. And David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. This God that I'm telling you to fear. This God that I'm telling you you should be afraid of. He's a good God. He's, I'm telling you to be afraid of him because he can do whatever he wants to do, but you come to him and he can do whatever, but he's a good God that wants to do good things to you and for you. He's a good God. He's always got your best intentions at heart. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. 
I'm not just saying that. The Bible's telling you that. There, you need to fear the Lord. You need to fear the Lord. There's a good thing to fear the Lord, to fear who He is and what He is, and knowing how He can work. And when He doesn't do something you think He can do to you, you better praise Him. When you realize He could have done something that He didn't do, you better praise Him. You better go, Lord, I acknowledge that you could have done that, and thank you, Lord, that you didn't. Praise the Lord. Lord, you could, have, you, could have, you could have waited another month to send us some rain, but you chose to send it today. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. I thank the Lord for all these things, because I know it's all in his hands. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to talk about some angels this morning. Angels can build a hedge of protection around you when needed. That's a great truth out of the Bible. And I'm going to show you 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. The Lord God, if you're a born-again believer in this church, the Lord God can send His protecting angels to protect you. Now, if you're not a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, don't have, you do not have guardian angels that will protect you. The only, one, only other people without, uh, that are not born again are little children. Little children who are not at the age of accountability, they have guardian angels that protect them. The Bible says, Jesus Christ says about these little ones, He says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus Christ is referring about little children that they have angels that are always up in heaven, back and forth. So it is, we can see there that little children have guardian angels. It's so much so that Jesus Christ says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it was better him that a millstone were hanged around his neck, about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So you don't want to mess with the little one that believes in Jesus Christ. And they not only don't want to mess with them, because be, he said it'd be better if you had a millstone wrapped around your neck, you were cast in the sea, but they've got guardian angels around them. Now that goes for Christians also. Christians also, when you're a born-again believer, you're part of the family of God, now you've got that protection from God, which includes guardian angels. Now, God doesn't always see fit to have you protected by the angels. And we know that to be true. Right? Amen. We know that. He, not every time. But there are times that God says, I don't want that to happen to them. What if it be an accident or whatever trouble might be going to happen in your life? And God sends a guardian angel there and protects you for whatever reason. Because he's graceful that day. He's got something planned. That the devil's after you. He says, no, I don't want that to happen. That's what Satan complained to about Job. Satan was before God because God made Satan come up for him. And he says, hey, God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, well, yeah, but you've got a hedge of protection built around him, and I can't touch him. God's protecting us, and praise the Lord for that. And, and, and sometimes, guys, we've got to remember not to forget the supernatural, the spiritual things that are going around in our life. We always try to look at things with our eyes, and we, look at, we go through the world, and we look at the TV, and we see things going on in, in the world, and we always look through things with, the fleshly, with our fleshly eyes, and we forget to the account of the spiritual things of life, the supernatural things of life. When we see somebody doing something really wicked on TV, we're like, how could they do that? Well, they're probably doing it because they're demon-possessed. And we forget the account. You know, it's not just that there's some chemical wrong in their mind or they need to have some kind of psychological uh, uh, counseling. No, they, they're demon-possessed. 
And they've been messing with the devil. But look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. I'm going to show you an example of God bringing his protective angels. And now, this king of Syria had been trying to kill, had been trying to take care of Israel, and Elisha had been warning the king of Israel, and this king of, uh, of Syria found out about it. And look at verse 13. And he said, go and spy where he is. Go find out where Elisha is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and encompassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So the, the king sends, this king of Syria sends this massive army around the city. And, and he's got this, he's encamped around the city where the servant of God, Elisha's servant, he gets up in the morning and he's stretching out. He's, he's, you know, stretching out and he looks out and he sees all the army. And he's, oh no, Elisha, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do. Verse 16. And he answered, Elisha answered him, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. It's that it's the truth. That's the truth, guys, no matter where you're at in your life. You and God make a majority. If you're at work and everybody at your workplace are heathens and God forsaken, God denying, Bible rejecting atheists, and they hate God, and you're the only one at work, well, you're still the majority because you got God on your side. It's you and God. And never forget that. You got God on your side. And fear not, he says, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Look at verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> so he says, Elisha says, Lord, this, this servant of mine, he's blind. He can't see what's going on in the supernatural. Open his eyes, Lord. And the eyes of that servant were open and there's the the, the king of Syria's army and around him was a, all the angels of God were surrounding them. You know? That's how it works, guys. That's how it always works. And uh, I tell you, I've heard stories after stories of angels. I heard a story one time of this lady. She had walked into a Bible study and she walked into the Bible study and she went in there for maybe five minutes and the commotion broke out and they, they got outside and the, the police were there and this guy, had, this, this guy had assaulted another woman that was in the, in the area and they, they captured that guy and uh, they were asking that guy, well, why didn't you attack that woman that just walked in before, before that other woman? And he said, well, I didn't attack her because she had two, two big men walking beside her when she walked in that building. She didn't have two big men walking with her. He's seen God's protective angels, big old men. God says, no, I want you to see that I got two big old men walking with her. Amen. Guys, when we get to heaven, some of y'all, we won't know what God's been doing to us until we get to heaven. You know, there's times where somebody was going to bang us, back us in the back of the head and still break, you know, break in our house, no matter what they were going to do to us. And God had had his angels there protecting us, had it sitting right there. And me and my wife went on that vacation. We were down at Pensacola, Florida. We went down to the beach. We were down there for four hours down at the beach. And praise the Lord, I needed it too. Me and my wife were walking back, and there was a big man walking down the beach. And I told my wife, I said, look at that guy. This guy was like, I mean, he had, he had, his arms were bigger than my thighs, just, you know, walking like this, you know. I mean, it looked like he could rip my head off if he wanted to. And, man, I was. I was like, whoa, whoa, man. And I told my wife, look at that guy. I mean, he looks like a monster. 
So we got up there to, the, to, the, to where everybody parks their cars. I mean, there's you know, hundreds of cars out there and everything. And they had this little platform. And you get up on this platform and you can wash and clean yourself up. And there's bathrooms. And my wife had went into the restroom. And I was sitting there. I was sitting over there. And I looked, at, I looked over at our car. And there's our, our, our passenger door wide open. My billfold's in there with all the money I have. My car, my key. Every, the only thing I had was my keys in my pocket, but all the money we had, all our phones, everything we had was in there. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I tell you what, that was the longest walk from down there to find. And I got down there, everything was still in the car. The door wide open for four hours. People coming and going, cars pulling out and everything else. And man, I tell you, I started praising the Lord. I started praising, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm a thousand miles from home. If somebody would have took all that I had, I wouldn't even know how would I even I wouldn't even know what to do. I was praising the Lord and thanking the Lord, and we and my wife got thinking. I was saying maybe the Lord. And we and my wife got to talking about it. I said maybe the Lord sent an angel that looked like that guy we saw down on the beach, and he was around our car. You know, <laughs> don't look at this car right here. You know, that's how I think. You know why I think that way? I know I'm a little crazy because I read my Bible. I read my Bible. And I see God's done that in other people's lives in the Bible. And I think, well, maybe God did that for me. And I thank Him for that. <laughs> and I thank the Lord for that. Look at Psalms chapter 91. Look at Psalms. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 91. The, Lord's, the Lord can build a hedge of protection around you, Christians, with angels. You know, uh, Billy Graham loves to tell the story. He had it in his book, Angels, Angels, Angels. Billy Graham loves to tell the story of how this uh, missionary was at this, in this village, I think somewhere off in Africa somewhere. And he was there and he looked out and the, the chieftain of that village had come and he was coming to kill him. And the missionary and his wife, they got down on their knees and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed all that night long. And that chieftain stayed up on that ridge and that chieftain never did come down there to kill him. And of course they got out in the morning and the chieftain was gone and they were praising God. Well, a couple of months later, that chieftain got saved. That chieftain came to Jesus Christ and know him as his Lord and Savior. And that missionary got to talking to that chieftain. He said, you remember that night months ago when you showed up and you were there to kill me? And that chieftain said, yeah. And that missionary said, why didn't you come down there and kill us? And that chieftain said, well, we were there. I was there to kill you. But when I got there, there was a group of men around you walking around your house all night long. There wasn't a group of men. That was angels. <laughs> That God had opened that chieftain's eyes and said, if you go down there, I'm going to kill you with those angels. And scared him off. And scared that chieftain off. That's how God works. Psalm chapter 91, look at verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. He's given angels charge over you guys. You know, everywhere you go, there's angels there to protect you. You know, uh, you know why we don't feel safe sometimes? It's because we go into neighborhoods where there's no policemen. You go into a neighborhood and you go into a neighborhood that there's no policemen and you tend to roll your windows up, lock the doors, you know, make sure you don't know because there's nobody there that can help you right then. But we forget as Christians that everywhere we go, God's angels, angels are everywhere. And they're there to protect us and they're there to take care of us. And sometimes, guys, you think about what we do in this church. We go out and we stand on the street corner and we preach and we hold up signs. And there's people driving by by the thousands, driving by with signs. And there's none of us out there afraid we're going to get beat up or 
I'm not afraid at least. You know why I'm not afraid? I know the Lord's going to take care of me because I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. And I've never had any trouble. I had, one time I was out there street preaching out in Brownwood, and I was out there by myself street preaching. And this guy shows up, and I you know, always keep him out of back, in the corner of my eye. I see him pull up there, and he pulls up in the parking lot. And I'm preaching, and I see him, you know. And I'm preaching, and then I look over there, and this guy gets out, and he had this big old bully, woolly hair like this. Big old six-foot-eight looking guy, you know, comes over like that, you know. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go, you know. And in my mind, I'm always thinking, I can outrun that guy. I can outrun him. He goes, hey, hey, hey. And he's trying to call me up there because, you know, he kind of had to walk down. I said, like, oh, here we go, Lord. So I walk over there. Yes, sir. He goes, tears started rolling down his eyes. I love you, man. Thank you for what you're doing. And he just reached out and gave me a big old hair, hair you know, bear hug. Just big old tears rolling down his eyes. And the whole time I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Lord, you never know. But the angels, God's angels are there to protect us. He, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. See, that's the verse that Satan used against Jesus Christ in the temptation. See, Satan knows his Bible. and He knows, hey, if you have angels protecting you, I can take you and put you on top of this temple. And I'll, if you throw yourself off this temple, God's angels will protect you so you won't die. He'll, they'll just bring you down. And what did Jesus Christ say to Satan? You should not tempt the Lord thy God. You're not supposed to tempt the Lord God. You know, I know God's protecting me. I know God's got our guardian angels there to help me out. But I'm not going to run into battle being stupid. Amen. I mean, I'm not stupid. You've got to use common sense. But you know you got backup, right? you got, you got some backup there. Praise the Lord for that. you got backup. you got backup. You know, uh, speaking of little ki kids having guardian angels, I was reading the story of this guy. And he went up. He was a little bitty kid. And he went up on this two-story house they were building. And they had this board that they had laid out. At this two-story house. And he said as a little bitty kid, like maybe four years old, he said, I walked out on that board because I wanted to look out. And I walked out on that board and he looked back and that board started temping. And he said, all of a sudden that board just went. Whoop. And he, he got, I got afraid and I walked back over there. He said, all my life I've always known that a guardian angel was on the other side of that board <laughs> pushing it back. See, he's smart enough to know that God was taking care of him. And how many of us in our life, we, we'll say the word luck. Oh, I sure was lucky. That sure was lucky. And you hear the world do that all the time. I, that's why I don't like to use the word luck. You hear the world use it all the time. Oh, he sure was lucky. That was sure lucky. No, it wasn't no luck. With God, there's no luck. With God, there's no coincidences. With God, he's there protecting you. So when I think, when, when the world says, oh, I sure was lucky, that's when Brother Keegan says, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I could have died right there, you know. Man, I could have broke my leg. Praise the Lord, I didn't break my leg right there. I, I tried to give him all the glory. And you know what? Maybe it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it just was me being stupid and tripping. And, you know, I did just not break my leg. But more, I'd sure much rather get up to heaven and have too many I, thank you, Lords, than not have enough. Amen. I'd much rather have too many thank you, Lords, than get up there in heaven and, you know, be shorthanded in the Lord. No way. No way. You know, uh, I've got, I got angel stories for days. And I know we don't have much time for it. I don't have a lot of time to tell them. But there's one angel story I heard of. I believe it's an angel story. This doctor was 
at how he was a, he was a famous doctor back in the day, and he was a neurosurgeon, and he was just laid down. He had a real long night. And he heard a knock on the door. And he's, he gets up and knock on the door. And he opens up the door, and there's, there's this little girl. She says, please come help my mama. She's about to die. I don't think she's going to live there. Please help my mom. And even though that doctor was tired and weary, that, that girl was so persistent, he got all his bags, and he went to that woman's house. He got to that woman's house, and that little girl led him to the woman's house, and, and to his, her mom's house, and he went into the house, and he took care of the mother, and he made sure the mother was going was to make it. And, he, and he's talking to the lady, and he says, I want to commend you on your little daughter because she's so persistent. She's the reason why I'm here. And that mother told that doctor, my daughter died a month ago. And that doctor just got dead still. And he started describing what that daughter was wearing. And that woman said, go look in that closet right there. And that doctor went and looked in the clothes closet. And he opened it up. And there was the little coat and, coat and the little shoes that that girl was wearing that came and got him out of his house. And that coat was as dry as a bone, even though it had been snowing. Was that God's angel taking care of one of his own? That's up to you to decide. That's up to you to decide. You know, Sister Dodd, I know some of y'all knew Sister Dodd. She came to the church a couple of times. It was Ricky Dodd's mom. Her, she had a daughter that died of leukemia when she was about 12 years old. Sad. It was real sad. And she told, this, told me the story. She told me and Kathy more multiple times. And her, I'd go visit Sister Dodd, and she'd love to tell me a story that when her daughter was passing away in leukemia, the uh, blood was just coming out everywhere, you know, just come out everywhere in her body. So she put her in, in this bathtub, and uh, she laid her in the bathtub and put uh, water in there to, just to kind of ease her pain and everything. And she laid her poor, this is back in the 70s. And she laid her daughter down there in the, in the bathtub and had her laid out there. And she said her little daughter, her little 11-year-old uh, daughter was laying there about to die of leukemia. And her daughter said, Mama, don't you see it? Mama, don't you see that? And Sister Dodd said, what, what baby? What, say what? Don't you see the angel standing right there? And Sister Dodd said, she looked and she says, I couldn't see nothing, Brother Keegan, but she said she could see an angel. And she said that, Sister Dodd said she went over there and she got the, got the phone. This is back when phones were on a wall. Got the phone, called her husband and said, uh, said to Brother Dodd, she's seeing angels. She's at home and seeing angels. And Brother Dodd was at work, and Brother Dodd said, I just hung up the phone, and I rushed home from work. And by the time he got home, his little daughter was about to pass away, and her do his, their daughter passed away just a couple of hours after that. Because he knew that she, she, the Lord was about to take her. And Sister Dodd said, she was seeing angels. And I, was, I told the nurse, hey, my, you know, she's seeing angels. The nurse said, oh, that, she's just probably hallucinating and this, that, and other. Guys, you believe what you want to believe. I'll take the angel story every time because I believe my Bible and I've seen what people can do and what, people, what angels have done in people's lives. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. When Brother Trevor was passing away, I was going over to see Brother Trevor and he was passing away of brain cancer and he was laying on his bed. And I remember his mom, he couldn't talk. He was about to pass away. His mom said, you know, he talked to me. You know what he told me, Keegan? I said, what's that? His mom said, he told me, I know I'm about to die. Why, why do you say that, Trevor? Why do you say that? She said, I know, he said, I know I'm about to die, Mom, because I keep seeing beautiful women. I keep seeing beautiful women. God's angels coming in, getting ready to take him home to glory. Oh, yeah. 
Sister Alice, if you had passed away, if you would have took your last breath when that, that truck would have hit you, God's angels were there and they would have took you on home to glory. You'd, be, you'd been a lot better off, sister. Amen. You'd been up in glory just dancing around, praising the Lord and doing all this and making fun of us down here as we're sitting here going day by day in this wicked old world and you'd be having a great reunion getting to see your husband again and oh man, the sights you would see, you couldn't describe it to us, the beautiful, the, uh, the golden streets, the oh man, and, and, and we're down here saying, oh, I sure don't wish I died. I sure don't want to die. And I tell you, when we get on the other side of heaven, we'll be praying. Oh, tell the Lord, oh, Lord, why didn't you get me up here sooner? And the Lord said, I would have, but you kept praying to stay down there. Amen. Man, praise the Lord, you've got to get a hold of it. You've got to get a hold of heaven. If you don't have heaven and you don't know Jesus Christ, He's your Lord and Savior, when something bad happens in your life, man, you don't have no hope. Man, it's different. Go to a funeral with somebody who's lost. Go to a funeral with somebody who's saved. It's a different environment. I've been at funerals when people are saved. They'll get on that old piano out there and they'll be singing songs to Jesus Christ, praising God at a funeral. People laughing and smiling. Man, this, there's something glorious about a Christian getting to go to heaven. But we, we, some of us don't grab a hold of that, man. We're, we're grabbing a hold of this world and we've got to have this world. And, man, what has this world done for us? Nothing. This world, there's, not, there's nothing in this world that's really worth living for. It's just about relationships. It's about family. But other than that, it's wicked. Amen. They're making you pay taxes. They're making, everything's going up. It's just it's more wicked every day. Why, would, why are we so ready to stay here when God's got so much waiting for us on the other side? But I thank Him that He does take care of us. And He has these guardian angels that He builds around us. Look, look at verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Now that's obviously a reference to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords right there. But if you want to apply that as a Christian, you go right ahead. I'm not stepping on any kind of rattlesnake anytime soon. But, but that's what that's talking about, guys. Doctrinally, that's Jesus Christ. This is all doctrinally Jesus Christ. But look at verse 14, though. This is, these are your verses. 14, 15, 16, this is me and you. Look what the Lord says right here. Because he, because he has set his love upon me. Now that's God talking. God says because he, that's me and you, has set his love upon me, upon God. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Amen. Have you known the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Look at verse 15. He hath, he hath called upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise the Lord for that. That's me and you. You want this protection from God that I've been talking about all morning long? You've got to do those three things that are mentioned in those verses right there. You've got to do them. The first one you've got to do is verse 14. Because he had set his love upon me. You got to put your love on Jesus Christ. You got to put your love on Jesus Christ. You got to take your love away from the world and away, away from religion, away from everything that's in your life. You got to take that love and you need to put it on Jesus Christ. I've lived it both ways, brothers and sisters. I've put all my love on the world and I'm ashamed of some of the things I've done. 
And I took all my love and I put it on Jesus Christ. And man, I, I'm excited for some of the things I've done. I can't believe some of the things I've done for that man right there. Jesus Christ. That's the first thing you got to do. Because he had set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because why? Because he hath known my name. The second thing you have to do, you have to know the right name. You got to know the right name. Now a Jehovah's Witness will come and knock on the door and say, I'll tell you his name. His name is Jehovah. And you might call, say, God's name is Jehovah. His name might be Elohim. He got, God has a hundred names. But I know him by one name. I know him by Jehovah saves. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus means Jeh, Jehovah, Sul saves. Jesus saves. That's how I know Jehovah. And you know what? I know his name so well that he lets me call him Father. So when you come to me talking about what name is God, what's God's real name, I'll tell you what, his, I don't, you can argue all day long. He lets me call him Father. Because I'm his child and I'm born again into his family. If, you're not letting him, if he's not letting you call him Father, you're in a world of trouble, man. You're not part of his family. You want to be part of the angel's protective hand. You want to be part of God's family. That's where all this good stuff comes in. Outside of God's family, man, you're on your own. Amen. Amen. That's the second thing you've got to do. You've got to believe on, know him by his name. That's the name of Jesus Christ. And verse 15, he shall call upon me. It's not enough to put your love on him and know you've got to love him. It's not enough to know who the real name is, Jesus Christ. You've got to call upon him. It's, one, it's like what I said way back then. Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me. If you'll come to the Lord knowing you're a sinner, knowing that you're a poor man, knowing that you need to be saved out of all your troubles, and get down and say, Lord, I'm just a wicked sinner. Lord, please save me. The Lord will save you. Amen. He saved me. Amen. I'm going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. And everywhere he and him is, I'm going to replace it with Sister Alice's name. Amen. Read this with me, fellas. Read this with me. Because Alice has set her love upon me, therefore will I deliver Alice. I will set Alice on high, because Alice hath known my name. Alice shall call upon me and I will answer Alice. I will be with Alice in trouble. I will deliver Alice and honor Alice. With long life will I satisfy Alice and show Alice my salvation. Amen. Amen. Put your name right there, Christian. That's your name right there. Put your name right there. God says, put your name down. You belong to me. I'm your father. You're my son. You belong to me. Man, I love you. Come here. I love you. I want to hug you. I, you belong to me. God loves you. God died for you. God wants everything good for you. Come on into him. He wants to hold you and put you on his lap. He wants to hug you. Why are you running away from him? You're running away from the perfect love into a wicked world full of sin and hate. And the world wants nothing to do but to hate you and destroy you and do everything they can to make fun of you and mock you. And God sits on the other side and says, I love you. Come here. Get in my lap. I want to hug you. Man, that's our God. Look at Luke 15 in closing. Luke 15. Man, the Lord's so good. Man, the Lord's so good. Look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. You know, I'm going to close with these, but there's so much the Bible has to say about angels. One of the things the Bible says about angels, Paul says, Beware 
Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I don't know how many stories I've heard of people saying, I was broke down on the side of the road, this guy showed up, helped me, I turned around, he was gone. I don't know who it was. Where they went to? I was way out in the middle of nowhere. Where'd that person go? I know where they went. They went back to what God had them doing. That's probably an angel. So many stories like that. Christians, so many. Y'all know them. As Christians, you're not around the church very long. You start hearing angel stories, right? But we forget about them. We walk out that door. The world doesn't mention it. The world doesn't talk about it. The world only thinks about the flesh. You never hear a thing else about it. And we need to start living like there's angels around us that can protect us. We need to start living like God loves us. We need to start living like this stuff is real. We're living like this stuff is some kind of thing we learned in Sunday school. It's some kind of fairy tale. This ain't no fairy tale, guys. This stuff is real. Look at verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 8. Praise the Lord. Jesus speaking here, he says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver... If she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? You know, if you have something you lost that's worth a lot of money, you're going to look everywhere in your house for it. And that's what Jesus Christ is talking about. Verse 9, And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Look at verse 10, guys. This is me and you right here. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. The last thing I want to show you about angels is when you come down this aisle and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, wherever you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that moment, there's rejoicing going on up in heaven in the angels. The angels start singing, glory, hallelujah. They start singing and praising God. All because one sinner repented. Man, that's amazing. Man, when I was a little kid, I'd go out there. I was by myself, you know. Had the football, and I'd throw up the football to myself, and I'd have the baseball, and I, you know what happened too long? I started imagining I was in a, I was in a stadium, you know. And I, I'd get the football, and I'd run, and I'd be running around imaginary people, you know. And, of course, I never got tackled when I, you know, Matt, you know. And, I was, and I'd get to the touchdown, and I'd slam that ball down, and what did I imagine? Everybody started cheering, you know. I'm the hero. That's exactly what happens to you when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Instead of a stadium of people cheering, it's all of heaven and the glory of God and the angels. They all start singing. You know, it says there in 1 Peter, it says that the angels, which things that, talk about the gospel, it says which things the angels desire to look into. That's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. But the Bible says that the angels, speaking of the gospel, it says, which things the angels desire to look into. You know the angels can't understand why God loves us. You know the angels, they see God in His holiness, and they see their holiness, and they see what's going on in the world, and they see how wicked and sorry and no good we are, and there's a holy God up there, perfect in every way, and He looks down and He says, I want to save that guy right there. And you know that angel has to look back at God like, him? That one right there, that one that's acting that way and doing all that and living like that, that's who you want to? You're God, you know. Go protect him. That one that's living like that? Yeah, he belongs to me. But he, he's not coming to church. I, I, didn't, ask, I didn't say, just go talk. Right? 
The angels desire to look into that. They don't understand it. And to be honest with you, brothers and sisters, I don't understand God's love. I don't understand why he loves me. I really don't. And I, and I, I see people living like the devil and living like sin and wicked and awful. And I see these, some of these people on TV, you know, that they're so wicked and they're, they're just so full of hate. And you know what happens? The Holy Spirit will say, I love them and I want them saved. God can save them too. You know, Jesus Christ died for everybody. The murderer, the child molester, the rapist, the wife beater. You just name any sin you can think of. The worst sin you can think of. Homosexuality, transgender. It don't matter what sin you can imagine. God, Jesus Christ, died for that person. In their sin. And all they have to do is turn from that, repent and say, Lord, I want to be saved. And the Lord says, you're saved. It's a wonderful thing to be in the family of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for taking care of Alice. Lord, I mean every word, Lord. If you'd have took her home, she'd be a lot better off, Father. I really believe in heaven, Lord. I believe in the glory of heaven. I believe in your streets of gold, Lord. I believe in the family that's up there waiting for me. I have a mom waiting for me up there, Lord. I can't wait to see her. And I can't wait to see you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I don't understand why you would love me enough to die for me, but you did. And you love these people out here enough to die for them in their sin. While they were yet sinners, you loved them, Lord. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you that the Bible says you are a friend to sinners. Father, that's such a blessing to read this stuff, Lord. And Lord, I don't understand why you would want to send your angels around to protect me and to protect Sister Alice. And protect I don't understand it, Lord, but I know you do. And Father, I thank you for it, Lord. And I recognize it, Father. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you have your, your hedge of protection built around us, Lord. And Father, I just pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't understand what I'm talking about, doesn't feel like they have that hedge, they don't feel like they're part of the family of God, Father, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit you'll speak to their heart right now, Lord. And Father, speak to their heart and tell them how much you love them and that you want them to come home, Lord. And you, Lord, you want them to come and, and join the family, Lord. And Father, I just pray that they'll know that if they'll just come down here and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as a sinner, Lord, knowing that they're a sinner, that you'll save them, and it's just that simple, Lord. Make it, Lord, thank you for making it simple and not making it hard, Father. Thank you for not letting it be something that we work for, that it's all your grace and your precious blood you set, shed on the cross. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.